This is the Strength Beyond Fitness Podcast. A Build Body Fitness production brought to you by Coach Louise and Coach Renee, where we talk about simple principles to train your mind, transform your body, and maybe even change your life. I know, I know you're looking at the length of this episode and you're thinking two hours, but this easily could have been a conversation that just kept going. This was phenomenal. So we got an amazing opportunity to learn more about body modification, the extreme of it, and be just complete, real, and open books with with each other. My mind is blown. I've wanted to have this conversation since we met the mod father a year ago and having this conversation was everything I hoped for and so much more so if you're someone who is curious about this culture in this community maybe you're someone who has dabbled with body modification yourself or you're toying with it this is the episode for you All right, welcome to another episode of the Strength Beyond Fitness podcast. A uh, very special episode. So, we have Tommy for the second round. Which one? Tommy is our only client that's made an appearance to the show, and now he's the second, the first person to make a second appearance in the show. Look at that! All right, and what is so cool is we also have Steve Hayworth, who is known as the Mod Father of body body modification and it's uh tommy's boss and mentor and someone that tommy has really looked up to and within the last two years of training tommy we've gotten to learn so much about the body modification what it is and it's truly a pleasure to have you in our show in our home thank you so much i appreciate you having me on thank you very much and those who aren't familiar with the Mod Father might actually be familiar with some of your work. I remember seeing the Lizard Man in a Ripley's mm-hmm. Believe It or Not, and then find out when we first met Tommy that that was some of your work. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have unintentionally known who you are. Mm-hmm. And when he said we were going last year to see you for his flight or, you know, suspension training with hooks to their back, you were not at all what I expected. You seemed so. Un- this might sound terrible. You seem so normal. I no, think that's, that's <laughs> I'm, I'm my perception of normal. normal. <laughs> I think the only thing that was slightly different is you had um, you have, what you have now. You have vampire teeth. Yeah, I, I have the fangs. I have facial scarification. Uh, if I'm not wearing short sleeves, then you can see my tattoos. I have a, a bunch of implants, but they're not all that noticeable. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just thought you would well, be so scary looking. And I feel so bad saying I that. I try to be scary looking. <laughs> Shoot, you've met I, me I just, I like to be extreme, it. but on a subtle way. You know? Extremely well, subtle. It's, yeah. it's, you know, just to be honest, it's it's stereotype that we we in, we envision first because we hear maybe modification, this, there's those extreme books where you're in the world Guinness because you have a ton of piercings, you mm-hmm. know, all over your face. So, yeah, like at first we we had a stereotype. Oh my gosh, like who we're, like, who we're going to meet? Well, we're going to meet somebody that... It's just totally modified more than Tommy because, um, you know, if Tommy's modified and we have the modifier, we're going to think that it's just a lot more. And it was just awesome. And you have such a peaceful voice and you're so welcoming to, to, to us in your home. The whole community that was there that was hanging 
was so welcoming and so supportive of each other. And we were just like, we left so confused because we everyone was a, so nice. We left in a hype. Like we actually left in a super cool hype. We we're like, that was the most unexpected, amazing experience that we've had with a group of people that we had, we only knew one person. And, 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 um, now it's like, we're look so looking forward for, for Tommy's next flight. And we're, we're really stoked about it. I would say about 95% of the plain skins that I know would say the same thing. Are you, we you plain know? skins? Is that us? Are, are you heavily tattooed or pierced? Well, I'm really <laughs> hardcore because I have five birds on my shoulder and I have my ears pierced. <laughs> okay, well, you're not quite plain skin. <laughs> Almost. But uh, people who have no uh, concept of what piercing or tattooing does for an individual or what they experience and what they go through don't understand or 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 cannot have the ability to relate and i hope that with this conversation um the way i try to explain it to my son is some people have different cultures just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad and so the questions i asked today i really hope they do come across as respectful because i want to know more and i want to understand more because it feels like such a different world but when we went to that suspension that night we really were open to our eyes were opened a ton of like, you know, these are everyday people that are just expressing their identity. I was not expecting to feel emotional seeing mm. Tommy suspension training. And yet at one point I felt like crying because it felt so spiritually mm -hmm. connected. It felt so such like a beautiful moment. And so um, out of curiosity, before we just jump straight into it, what what makes you the mod father? Um, so I was very fortunate in, in my background. My background was medical device design and implant design. And in the very early nineties, a friend of mine came out from California who brought a friend of his, who was a body piercer. And the, the friend looked at my medical instrumentation and he said, Steve, this is just like body jewelry. And I was like, okay. And he's like, yeah, I, and I had been interested in, in piercings for sexual enhancement at that point, but I wasn't really into it. And um, I, I looked at the jewelry and I looked at my materials and I was like, well, I mean, it's the exact same thing, but in production, you've got to produce a lot of something to make it worth producing it. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, you know, you should look into it because I know there's a big call for it. At that time, there was three other companies in the world that produced body jewelry. And so in my entry into it, I had the knowledge of how to work with stainless steel on a engineering level, if you will. And the other three companies really didn't come from that kind of a background. They came from the background of jewelry manufacturers of, of you know gold and silver and things like that and then transitioned into stainless. So, so they, they kind of had a, a harder road in the process, if you will. And before I even knew what other people were charging for their product, I based my cost on what my shop rate was at the time. And so at the time, uh, I, I don't remember what it was, but uh, a, a captive beatering for a naval I was I started at nine dollars, and this is 1990. And a tongue barbell I started at twelve dollars, 
and and that was you know in my hourly shop rate that's how many i could produce per hour to meet that number if, if I, I interrupt real quick what are the prices now because to me I, i'm just seeing nine and twelve and i'm like well so back then mm-hmm. i discover that the the highest competition in, in the rings was $22 and the next company below that was $20 the next company below that was 18 and I came in at nine and then the tongue barbells mm-hmm. were $39 on the higher end and 35 on the lower end and I came in at 12 and so like overnight I, not overnight but in, in three months I had three quarters of the in uh, of the industry wow like like in three in three months time my body jewelry sales were outdoing my medical sales and i have had a lot of negative experiences in the medical field in the past with uh uh, being an oem producer of products that are then sold to a, a company that sells to the doctor you know and uh i loved the the uh, uh, y- you had said it earlier. I, I, I loved the uh, culture and the people who were in the, the piercing and tattooing world. And it was an incredibly like thankful shift for me to go, okay, I'm going to stop doing this medical and I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this really fun, amazing stuff that is actually making a difference. And so you mentioned earlier that some people will do this body jewelry for sexual enhancement. Is that, are there any other reasons where people oh, typically come uh, to you for so this jewelry? There's a, uh, uh, just aesthetics. Okay. You know, they, they want a pretty little nose ring. Um, uh, moving from there, you, you would move into, I guess, numbers wise, percentage wise, it would be sexual enhancement. A lot of different things that different kinds of piercings and different kinds of modifications do to enhance the the stimulation for both partners. Mm-hmm. Some people do a lot of work just on themselves for their own pleasure. You know, it has nothing to do with their with a partner, if you will. Um, so it it would be aesthetic, and then it would be sexual enhancement, and then after that, I used to say a lot many many years ago that it was. Um, for uh shock value so like getting something that would like literally shock people and push people away and then after that it would be like spiritual reasons but now i think it's kind of swapped to where there's less shock value and a lot more spirituality when you break it down that way it really doesn't differ that much from strength training of if someone is training their body for a certain aesthetic, they might want to look a certain way in the bedroom. They might want to feel more connected when it comes to wellness. Like really, it's. And I'd say there's 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 a portion of it that is like a shock value too. Like some some people like they want to be in that room or in whatever, and just be the biggest person and be like, whoa, like God, man, you're freaking huge, <laughs> like you know. And I mean, I like seeing people's reaction when I can deadlift more than them. Yeah. That shock value feels yeah. really good of like, huh, surprised you. Yeah. And, I, and this is why another reason we're so excited to have you here because um, Tommy shared this with us. And, we, you know, we've learned this through watching some of the documentaries, like that there's this whole spectrum in modification and even working out and growing your muscles and doing that. 
it falls under that of like we're all kind of all trying to modify our body. Mm-hmm. So um, something we really discussed. Cool to Sorry to interrupt that. you. No, I just saying it's really cool to do that because before that, before this, we we had we no idea. Like we just like oh, we're just trying to get big, trying to get swole, but it, we didn't really see it as like it's part of it's still part of the modification um, spectrum, spectrum community, even all that you know. Something we discussed after watching Modify was at what point does something become modification of, you know, at what point would you consider something modifying? Like, is it every time I cut my hair or? For me, yeah. Okay. I, I consider, like, it's a temporary modification. Like, uh, like hook suspension. Uh, that's a temporary modification. I temporarily have hooks in my back. Um, the clothes I choose to wear, like, I can change those every single day and it's a temporary modification for me. Um, and like I take pride in like what I wear. Um, I try to make sure that I always have my jewelry on. And even though like my ears are stretched beyond, uh, like something that would close on, close on its own. Mm -hmm. Like I would have to get it like medically closed up. Um, but like the jewelry I, I choose to wear, it's like those th- those pieces are temporary, and yeah, I, I think everything we do to our body is a form of modification, whether it's temporary or permanent. Um, that's my stance on it. Yeah, I think I think uh, what someone would consider modification, you know, I- is different in each individual's eyes, but I think that modifying your body away from the way it's naturally growing is doing something to either enhance or increase you you know like uh um sorry adhd came (laughs) in here so so like uh aesthetics wanting to look good Mm -hmm. you know that that goes in every scale of every aspect in in of what we do in life from cutting our hair to uh, building muscle structure to de- decorating our temple, how we want to do it, to, you know, spiritual. Plastic surgery. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was like, okay, so at what point is there, like, no modification? And I was like, I know, like, you know, you can wear an orange shirt, and that's, like, your start of the spectrum, like, you know, you decide I'm going to wear an orange shirt and this is a, as far as I'm going to go. And this was an example that Tommy shared in, in his episode. But I don't see that, obviously, as, as my for me, it's the point where you you make a change from your natural appearance, like a haircut. I'll agree with that. Like I've bleached my hair before. So bring I, it back. I want to. I do. <laughs> I do. You. Trust no, me. Don't, I don't. No, no. And that's <laughs> don't. You'll lose a client. <laughs> OK, <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> Finally, gonna have some peace <laughs> twice a week. Do no, it. <laughs> Go for it. But like you know, I kind of agree with that uh, on on you know maybe that like bleaching your hair and everything. But is there a point that you guys believe that there's maybe no modification in that you're not even on the spectrum? So let's let's shift our point of view just a tiny bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let's look at what we're discussing which is you know everything from a tattoo to a piercing to extreme implants you you know all that begins with willingly sitting down and accepting a process 
that's going to be painful. Whether you realize it or not, that navel piercing, that that's, you know, in Arizona, it's 16 and up with parental consent. That 16-year-old girl, she knows it's going to hurt. She, she comes in, sits down, picks out the jewelry, talks to the piercer, gets the guts up, goes into that room, takes that needle, takes that piercing, feels that pain. And after that pain is, has passed, she has this piercing, mm -hmm. which is proof that she went through that rites of passage. She didn't know it was rites of passage, but it is. All humans are like not accomplishing something unless they go through something that causes mental or physical pain. If we don't, I mean, every tribal culture has their rites of passage, whether it's rites of passage to, to be an adult, you know, to be able to go hunting with the others or to be able to take on a partner. That is something that they have to go through, that, that there's, there's pain involved, and then there's a mark that the rest of the tribe can see. So getting a haircut is, uh, you know, it's, it's not painful. But it's, it's a modification. But I think if we really want to look at modification, where does modification start? It's willingly accepting pain. And as a result from that, either A, having a mark that other people can see, or a mark that you know for yourself. In, in the case of, of uh, bodybuilding, it's not an immediate reward. It's a lot of pain and it's a lot of work. And then over time, with that pain and that work, and that endurance, you then start to see the results. And then the whole world sees the results. It's interesting the way you talk about pain, especially because when we saw you setting up for Tommy's suspension and even through the documentary, one, consent is a very huge thing. Mm -hmm. I noticed throughout you really go out of your way to make sure people feel comfortable and they feel safe, which I do feel really bad. That was a misconception I had prior to attending was, you know, you have this idea of when it comes to body modification, these are sadistic people. They thrive off of pain. Like, no, you guys are really mindful of how can we make you feel safe throughout this process? And they, they touch on this a little bit in the, um, documentary modify, but I would love to hear yours and Tommy's view about modification versus mutilation, because I think that's something that as outsiders, that's a misconception that we have of, we can't really tell the difference, but you clearly carry yourself differently. So you, you discuss two different topics. Yeah. So Sorry. let me, let me, no, don't, don't apologize. <laughs> it's all good. Let me answer one and then I'll move on to the other. So one is the, the, environment that we create for our clients to feel comfortable our job as body modification artists which once people start doing this kind of work they they start understanding the importance of this is we are a guide we are a, not not i don't want to say shaman but we are a guide and we are guiding 
our individual through this process of pain and and then elation uh, of uh, ADHD bear with me um, j just that the that the accomplishment afterwards you know we're, we're guiding them through that process and it's our job to make sure that they are as comfortable as they possibly can be and a, a good body modification artist has amazing bedside manner and not very good body modification artists don't do very well and they complain a lot on the internet <laughs> well, I remember I remember when uh, I think it was either Tommy was being pierced or right when we got there someone else, you had a wording that you'd say like like one, two, three, and then boom, like and quick stick. Well, I tell yeah, people yeah, I quick I stick, and it's like you're guiding them. It wasn't like I was you're laying down on the table, or you're laying down on the table, and then oh snap, there it is. You're like okay, one, two, three, quick stick, boom, boom, and it was really, really cool. And then even when the removal and all that, like I can see that I can, I can see that guidance. Yeah, um, it, it's it's funny. There was a, a group called N17 a while ago that was kind of a, a lower to mid level band they, they got fairly far but they actually had sampled me saying quick stick and that was in one of their songs oh, that's cool <laughs> back in the day but so on to your second question on what's the difference between mo modification and mutilation and of course i'm simply sharing my opinion other people will have will have an entirely different opinion on this but in my opinion a a modification that detracts away from your ability to function as a normal human to me is mutilation so i've seen people do a, a digit removal would i do digit removal not in the u.s would i do it in other countries maybe you know the the end digit on the pinky something like that but i would not remove an entire finger because i know that that will minimize our ability to to do things with our hands um, another uh, example is some people will like literally remove an entire ear and that significantly diminishes the individual's ability to hear i uh i i i uh oh i'm sorry go no, ahead no, you're, you're good if, can, 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 if i can I ask why 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 does someone uh, get to a step in it? Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume it's, you don't go from plain skin like me, say, hey, I want to remove a digit or I want to remove my, my ear. It goes, well, Tommy, do you feel like you, get, you can go from from it? You just made it? Okay. Yeah. I, I, I believe you can look like your everyday average Joe and you could have this compelling feeling of like, I don't want that pinky. And you might, for me, I would, I mean, I, I like my digits, um, <laughs> but like, I, I can understand it. Like it, for me, is that extreme? Like for me? Yes. 100%. But it's like, I knew that I needed to have my face tattooed and like, there's no real going back from that. And like, for some reason, like, and this was before, like I had like my face tattooed. I wanted my face tattooed since I was about like, I believe 18. And like, I sat on it for like a long time, like over a decade. And 
Yeah. Like, so like I understand like somebody might just need that digit gone for some reason. Like I can't tell you why, but like Mm -hmm. I can understand that desire to have some sort of like very heavy modification. Yeah. Hmm. It's super interesting because I'm Japanese. I'm part Japanese. And especially when it comes to the pinky finger, that's a huge um, it has a huge effect on your grip. And I know at least within old samurai's cultures, whenever someone was disobedient, they would lose, you know, kind of phalange by phalange. And mm-hmm. so like thinking that from a Japanese standpoint, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I could never. But yet we've also seen some people online to where they've made those jumps. And when it comes to people kind of coming to you for modification, what's kind of the most common thing that people typically ask you for when it comes to a change within American culture? We've created so many different kinds of modification and so many different kinds of people from different walks of life come to get that those different kinds of modification that I can't pin it down to a one kind of specific thing. Um, I, I can tell you what's been popular during a certain run of years. Uh, currently, right now, one of our more popular things is genital bead placement. So on the male shaft of the penis, we place silicone beads for sexual enhancement. And that right now, it's not, uh, it's not 50% of what we do, but it's probably 30% of what we do. And for one thing to be 30% is actually a big thing because we do so many different kinds of things. I'll be honest. I was not ready for the amount of penises that I saw in Modify. (laughs) Uh, There were were a lot. But then after, I couldn't help but think, you know, with the amount of modifications done to genitalia, how many people are just kind of walking around with these fun little secret things this isn't the same but i have a tattoo right here and i got it placed here because it's easy to hide mm-hmm. and so i was like haha it's my little secret how many people are walking around these little secrets more I'm well so curious. yeah and it was definitely shocking to me like i mean tommy was one of th- it was one of the first things tommy told me that he did um and i was like wait a second what so you know, we know we know part of our, our listeners are gonna be those that follow you guys and then we have our current listeners and they're gonna be like, Wait, hold on, did he did he just say that? And it's like, No, he, he did and it's very and it is it, it is a uh it is something that I was like definitely shocked, like like you said, like how many how common it was in the documentary and then how common, you know, uh Tommy has told me that it's a it's a request. Yeah. Yeah. Um What is the healing time for that? So the actual opening, uh, generally, if you have a normal healing, normal immune system, you're not type 1 or type 2 diabetic, Mm -hmm. about a week for the entrance of where the implant was placed, but it takes a full 30 days for that implant to encapsulate in scar tissue. And so people who get it need to abstain from sex and masturbation for 30 days. And we find that our clients that come back a week or so later with, you know, a problem have a tendency to be a, a lot on the younger, you know, 30 or, or, or younger versus, you know, the ones who have no 
issues at all and and you know it makes sense though i mean i i had childbirth and when you've gone through childbirth they tell you four to six weeks to abstain because that area needs to heal and even just knowing like there's scar tissue buildup so a month i mean a month in the moment might probably feel terrible to wait but it makes sense that you know hey you you had a big change here you were literally cut open chill out we we had one guy uh who he got three implants in in his penis and he Hmm. i think it was three weeks later he uh no it it was like at two weeks he reached out to me and he says hey i'm having an issue can i come in and and see you and i said well let let me look and a couple days later here's when i can get you in and he comes in and he's like a little red, you know, and red faced and, and whatnot. And I'm like, so what happened? And he goes, Steve, I was, I was at a party and there was these two girls and they were like, they, they wanted to, tr- they, they were like, how many times are you going to be able to have two girls at the same time? He's <laughs> like, Steve, I, I, I couldn't not, not do it. Because oh, no. he told the girls, hey, I've got yeah. new stuff. As and, a guy would. And, and yeah, and, uh, and the girls were like, oh, we like that. Let's try that. And, you know, he was like 19, you know, and, and for, for some people, you know, having multiple right. partners at once is going to be a once in a lifetime thing. And I told him, I said, I understand. It's all good. Let's fix you and let that heal. What a kind way of saying that too, of... <laughs> You, you easily could have given him all the crap in the world, but it was once more, how can we make you feel safe? This is the issue. Let's fix the doggone thing. Like, yeah. don't be embarrassed. I've been, you've been in, the, you, Steve is like, I've been in the industry for this long. Like, you're not the first one that's came to me for an issue like that. Like, it's cool that you can make someone feel so safe. One of the things that I, I really clarify when we're finished with an appointment to our clients is that my job is not finished until they're fully healed and i give them my cell phone number and and text so that they can if they have any questions any problems at all they can reach out to me and you know contact me people who are very familiar with the bod mod world and whatnot come and get work done by me and they're like mortified to like reach out and and bother me and i like if i know that they're in the world of of bod mod and they've been in it for a while that i i sit there and i reaffirm to them i say look seriously i put on my pants just like everybody else if you have a problem i need to know you you text me and they're like okay all right i i will you know so I know that you're you're an artist. Like you see yourself an artist. And at what point did it click like I'm an artist and this is what I want to do but then you're like a, almost a mentor or a support as well. They don't just come see you once and like they're like see you later. You carry that on and what what was the point of you recognizing this is part of my industry. I need to do this. Well, the the choice of becoming a body piercer was where I learned that there is an ongoing relationship with the client. And um, the so one of the things about me being adult ADHD 
and everything that I do is that I've got five, six, seven different irons in the fire at any one point in time. And the, if I start getting bored with this one, I can move over to something else. And if you know about ADHD, you know, some people have executive dysfunction disorder. And, and sometimes that's, that's me. And it's like, Tommy will be saying, hey, Steve, we've got this appointment that, that's going to be here in three weeks and that, that mold. And I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm going to get to it. I mean, and, and he starts getting worried. And then like four days or five days before the client shows up, I just, boom, I drop into gear and, I, <laughs> and, and I've got a beautiful mold 48 hours later and beautiful part and, it's and just, whatnot. It's but the best part about, I, I think, of ADHD. I mean, I have it and that's how I work on everything. Sometimes yeah. my best programs, I was like, I started, I started the idea in my head kind of a few days or week and then I'm like, oh crap, I got to get this program done in like 48 hours and then it's like, whoa. Yeah, if it, if it weren't <laughs> for the last minute, we'd have no time at all. Yeah, I lose sleep over this. I, I just, just so you know, Steve, I, but lo- I lose how sleep. often do I fail? Never. Well, no, don't say never. Well, I mean, not I have not, I have not witnessed failure. Okay. So, but yeah, no, <laughs> the mold is always made. The implants always ready to go. What's been your favorite or one of, it's probably hard to say your favorite, but what's been one of your favorite pieces that you've done? Pieces of art. That's why I'm going to refer to it too. Or a recent one. Um, So one of my favorites, and and this is going to go so sideways from your question. That's okay. One of my favorites is a implant that I created back in 2004, which is a very tiny magnet encapsulated in silicone. We take these magnets, we place them in the tip of the finger. And over the course of six months, as the body is enca- encapsulating new scar or uh, new nerve endings into the encapsulation, so it incorporates that magnet into the nerve matrix at the tip of the finger. Over the course of six months, your brain creates new neural pathways to understand this new sensory input you're getting. And Scientific America actually deemed this in like 2006 as the first legitimate sixth sense, like provable, real sixth sense that is created by man Mm. and i have the ability to feel static magnetic fields and i have the ability to feel oscillating electromagnetic fields and one of my favorite mods to do are these magnets because when the clients start getting the, the biofeedback from it it's like the most magical thing in the world. That sounds so cool. It's, oh my God. It's not a big thing. It's not very yeah. visible. No, I mean, nobody knows you have them. I've got three in this hand. It's like yeah. another it, fun secret. But it, um, it's been the coolest one that's like stood out to me with that. I was like, okay, I think that's super sick. And it's like interesting. And uh, how, like, I was like, how do you come up with that? Like how, what inspired what that? What inspired that? So in, in uh, 1998, I had this this uh, young gentleman, he was like 19, uh, messaged me and said that he hand carves custom jewelry and does all these custom things, but he's stuck in Alaska 
and he can make stuff up there, but he can't produce anything. He doesn't know how to manufacture and produce things. And I said, well, send me some stuff and let me take a look at it and I'll, you know, decide, you know, see if I want to bring you out. And he says, well, I need you to sign a, a non-disclosure on my designs. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, brilliant, of course. And he mails me a non-disclosure. I sign it. I send it back. And he says, okay, I'm shipping you a, a box. And it's full of a bunch of wax pieces. And it's uh, it could it could melt in the heat. So, you know, make sure it's not outside very long. And about two weeks goes by. And at this time, I, my house was in the uh, Del Norte Historical District in downtown Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And my my everybody entered through the back door because of the parking you couldn't really get there from the front and i was walking around the house and i saw the box at the front door i was like oh crap so i bring it in and i open it up and none of the wax had melted because it's high temperature jewelry wax it's not like candle wax and just these amazing structures like like body jewelry with hinges that were more like something a cr- like a crab or a, a an insect and, and just just very outside of the realm of engineering and i was like dude this stuff's amazing yes and he says okay well i want you to buy me a round trip ticket because if i don't like you i want to be able to come back home and i'm like <laughs> not a problem i'll get you a round trip <laughs> ticket and um he comes out and he had a lot of amazing ideas. Some of them were, were very like creatable, some of them not so much, but I was able to work with him and create various things. We created a body jewelry line called Fractal Creations, which was around for about seven years. We ended up selling the company to another company, and then that company, like four or five years later, went out of business. And, and we could have taken it back but at that point in time, it just it, it wasn't a good idea. But Fractal Creations now is is a line of, of body jewelry that rarely, once in a while, pops up on eBay, and they go for two, three thousand dollars a piece. That was our, our our first venture. But we we did a lot of things both in the world of body modification and outside the world of body modification. We did a lot of things for Alcor, which is the Life Extension Group. I don't know if I've heard of it. So they're in Scottsdale. You uh, you have a disease and you're dying at an early age from the disease. And the moment they pronounce you dead, they go in and they, oh okay, you know, keep you alive. They bring your body temperature down and then they cut your head off and put it in a, you know, tank of of uh, frozen nitrogen. Oh, I had no idea. Really? <laughs> well, I had no idea. Okay. Oh, so I thought you were trying to revive someone when you said like they're. No, 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 no. It's, it's <laughs> and then it's, you uh, said they cut off, and I was like, oh wait, no, the person's already down. One of the first, <laughs> one of the first people to ever go through this process was Walt yeah. Disney. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, well, I knew he was. I knew he was. Uh, I knew he had been frozen or the myth, you know, like the whole thing. But that's the I, reason I, they came out with the movie Frozen, so yeah. that would come up instead <laughs> of from his head. We all know this. But I didn't know there was a company out here in, in yeah, Alcor, in, in, in Arizona Alcor, that Life that. Extension wow. Group. Wow. Yeah, and um, uh, so Frozen Company in the middle of the desert. Wow. One of the companies, or, or one of the companies, uh, uh, one of the guys who worked there was a neuroscientist, and we did a lot of work together. And uh, like the whole magnet thing, as, as me and Jesse were working on the concept of using magnets to attach things to the flesh. Okay. Was 
in the middle of that was when we came up with the concept for the magnets for the fingers for sensory mm-hmm. input. But um, the the magnets for actually attaching things, which sounded like an, a brilliant idea at the time, and then we, we, we made a version. We installed it in his wrist. Six weeks later, he puts on a, a, a watch, and he had set it up to where there was a north and a south on the, the magnets. And so the watch had a north and a south on its magnets. So you don't put the watch on and then, you know, discover that 12 o'clock is down below and six is, six is up above. It would automatically orientate to the perfect and snap in. Clever. And he snaps it on and he beats his hand on the table and he tries all the stuff to get it to come off. It won't come off. And he's like, oh, okay. We, we, and, and me and him at that, at that point of like proof, we start just hardcore brainstorming. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to do uh, uh, implants all the way up the arm so you can have spikes. And if you, you know, if, if, if you walk through a doorway, it's just going to knock your spike off. It's not going to tear your skin. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do six little ones that I'm going to put on my cheeks and I'm going to take a lens and I'm going to cut the lens to fit my face and put the magnets in the lens. And when I go to get on my motorcycle, I just, bam, and off I go, you know, and we're just like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All these different ideas and, and getting goosebumps remembering this. And then like 20 minutes later, he's like, oh, that's that's itchy. And I was like, oh, well, we shaved off the hair in the area when we put it in. So maybe maybe we have to keep the hair shaved. And so we talk another couple minutes and he's like, that's getting really itchy. And I'm like, okay, well, let's, uh, let's check this out. And I go to pull it off. And that's when I discovered, n- duh, that if you have a powerful magnet under the flesh and a powerful magnet outside the flesh and There's they're heat. pulling together, you're going to slowly press all the blood and plasma out of the tissue. So at 20 minutes, nothing had gone necrotic. It takes like two hours for things to go ne- ne- necrotic. But for, I mean, it, it was, his skin was so thin from the compression, you could see the magnets inside. So we realized, okay, so the idea of, connecting things via magnets to the body is not really a realistic idea but the magnets in the, in the finger because they are so weak they don't uh, you, mm. you know if things get stuck to them they don't crush it sounds like everything you do is very so cool. intentional of you're not just going to do it because you can it's if we're going to do it we're going to do it well oh yeah i mean that's it, it's it's a funny thing because everything that i did was baby steps and like the very first horns I ever installed were the size of Skittles because I didn't want to go too big too fast you know I, I didn't know what was going to be too big too fast you know and, and so I started small and then slowly seeing how far we could push it before there was issues and now there's a whole new generation of bod mod artists around the world that are like let's put this in the hand and let's, you know, it's like implants that I had designed for the chest that big they're installing in people's hands. And I'm, I'm, the thing is, is for me, I'm not going to put an implant that big in the back of somebody's hand, but damn, some of these look amazing. (laughs) I'm just like, wow, I wouldn't do that, but that looks great. You know? Tommy, what's, oh, sorry. Sorry No, go ahead. Tommy, what's been interesting for you working with the Mod Father? Well, what do you mean by interesting? 
what's been something just really awesome? Just because this seems like a quality human right here. I mean, and we think the world of you. So what's what's it been like for you working for him, with him? Surreal. Very, very surreal. Um, like, I saw the documentary uh, Modify, and this was when I was back in Jersey, and I said, I, I need to meet Steve. And I forget how old I was. I was relatively young. Yeah, close to maybe 20, 21, 22, somewhere in there. And I said, I, I need to meet Steve. Um, and I had no idea. Like, Steve had a company. I just knew he was a piercer. And I was like, I'm going to go learn from him because he's doing some cool stuff. And eventually, I just got to a point in my life where I was like, I'm, I'm done here. And I sold my, I sold my car for a plane ticket a one-way ticket to Arizona, and <laughs> and I moved out here. Uh, eventually, I opened my own shop, and then I heard that Life Suspended was going to have uh, like a public suspension party, and I was like, "Oh, cool! I gotta, I gotta go do this." And uh, I forget what day it was, but I suspended that evening with Life Suspended for the first time, and I was in Steve's kitchen. And I was just, I saw him and I'm like, oh my God, it's Steve. And <laughs> and I was like, can I, can I have a hug? He's like, oh yeah, absolutely, man. And I was just like, oh my God, I hugged Steve. Like, this is insane. Uh, and from that moment, I was like, I, I need, I need to be a part of Life Suspended. I need to, I need to somehow one day work with Steve. Uh, and years, a couple years passed, I got voted into Life Suspended. And an opportunity presented itself with Steve where I was able to start taking packages from the house to UPS, just silicone where we ship throughout the world. And I got good at it. And I slowly started taking on more and more uh, to the point of where I started assisting Steve. And it's just, it's a dream come true. I've, I've always had a problem with getting reliable people. It's always been a very, very big problem in, in my world. And uh, when Tommy was, he, he was working for me part-time, and I had to let my office manager go. And at that point, he was doing half of what the office manager was doing. And he took over that position, and he's been amazing, rock solid. Like, I can rely on him for anything and everything and, and he's my best friend and you know he 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 knows m more dirt about me than anybody <laughs> else i mean <laughs> for, for for that 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 hug you were talking about yeah. you know after getting to know me i mean yeah. i'm just you know i fart just like everybody else you you do but there's <laughs> still there's still like i'll be sitting there doing emails and you'll come down you know first thing in your morning and <laughs> 2 a.m. Yeah. or 2 p.m. and yeah. every once in a while I'm just like holy shit I'm sitting across from Steve Hayworth like this is insane and and like and I just go about my day because I, I see you every day um, but yeah like it's I, I still get those like oh Steve you know and like being able to Go ahead. We, we had an interesting moment just the other night. 
But so so in 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 everything that Tommy helps me with, um, I I don't like the, the the term that that he works for me. He works with me, and and we do so much like you see an implant design like the 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 new B and we we had to go from the hey can you make a B to okay now I've got to design a three-dimensional model of a B and make it to where it would look good under the skin because just making it be and making it look good under the skin is two different things you have to know how the skin drapes over the, the implant to be able to get certain features of the implant to be more predominant than others. And um, so we go from the 3D model to then, uh, so that, that, that's com computer-aided uh, uh, drafting, CAD. And then we go to CAM, which is computer-aided machining, totally different program. And then I go down to the, the machine shop. I put it into my CNC machine. It's a 10,000-pound machine, giant robot and uh, uh, machine the mold, and then take the mold, I have to surface prep it, and then autoclave it. Then we gotta go from there into our silicone production room, because that's super clean. Class 100 HEPA filtration laminar flow table. Inject okay. the mold. Now I've created the implant. Now we've gotta finish the in implant, cure it, and then autoclave it, and then install it in the client or in, in this case with the B it was an install it or not install it but uh, an, another uh, a, a individual bod mod artist in Japan wanted it for one of his clients and so I worked with that client to make it for him and then shipped it to him and we we have this this deal with uh, the custom molds if it's a uh, if it's not too big of an ask on the mold what we say is that if you if you want me to make just one and cut the mold in half and throw it away you're going to pay for that the cost of that mold but if you'll let me produce more after the fact then your your cost is you know a couple hundred bucks instead of you know six thousand and um so we just put in our first b what was it it was tuesday night yeah tuesday, tuesday. night and the the B is is a very complex implant and will only work in the back of the hand because the skin has to be thin for for it to work. And um, something that that I've always thought about doing, but it wasn't necessary, was vacuuming out any air after the fact. So when we put in an implant, we will very carefully massage the skin to force any air out of the opening before we close. And um, I, I was like, like we, we had gone through that part, but I knew there was still like air trapped in there that there was no way that we were gonna be able to manually get out. And I went, I went, oh, I got an idea. And he goes, oh, are you gonna? And I'm, I'm grabbing a 12cc <laughs> syringe. I put on a big 12cc needle, very carefully insert it through the opening, pull a vacuum, pulled 12 cc's of air out and I mean, the skin just went like vacuum packed around the implant. And it was like, oh my God, look at that. That, that worked. That worked. That was beautiful. And that was, I mean, we just did that the other day. Yeah. First, first time we ever tried. Yeah. That. It was a cool. A little aha moment click. Yeah. 
That's so cool. You guys have such a fun relationship. Um, and it, I bet, I bet, this last two years has been also amazing to see one of just Tommy's overall transformation. Not, I don't think just physically. I think you carry yourself differently. So so much different, Tommy. Like, I think between the training, learning, you know. Um, Foods that you're eating. I think even Brit being in your life, like Brit is a godsend. <laughs> she is wonderful. She is so wonderful. I Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I it, so like I, I don't believe anyone can make you happy, right? Like I, I, I personally believe uh you have to be able to make yourself happy. And to because like no one's good like at the end of the day like you're going to sleep with yourself you know what i mean like you're it's your head on your pillow and, and you're going to sleep and no matter who you're with or whatever the situation may be it's like if you're not okay with you no one else is going to make you okay and i've learned to be okay with me and i found brit and she is, she allows me to learn how to be okay with me. And she adds to my happiness. And she, she hears what I say. And she'll point me in, well, I don't want to say point me, but she will make suggestions and allow me to make choices. And it's, she's an incredible incredible partner incredible cheerleader and just absolutely i don't know it's like complete in a puzzle like it just it's easy you know like there's like a give and a take and there's this flow and i can't say enough good things about her like i i adore this woman i absolutely adore her i mean she also helps me be okay with you too well yeah because some of those sessions are you know we we get we get pretty uh violent violent you guys sass each other a (laughs) lot a lot to where there was one session where i stepped in and i was coaching for for him when he was out of town i'm like i don't know how to coach you tommy like can i say these things and it turned out being fine but i was like can am i gonna get in trouble but you're fine no you're fine yeah so kind of going back to it real quick like someone i wanted to hear from steve some of the changes that you've seen in tommy and um so I feel kind of bad that I didn't realize that Tommy was in such a dark place. He was masking it really well. And I would have thought that if anybody would have seen it, it would have been me. And one day he's like, I'm, I'm working out. I'm, I'm going to work out. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to this. And I've, I've heard people say that before. You know, I think, okay, good. You know, He's like, I'm going to eat healthier. And, you know, like, okay, that, that's great. And then, like, I think by the 30th or 40th day straight in a row, I realized, oh, wow, he's really, he's really on this path. And that's amazing. And, um, and he, uh, uh, he's, he's grown. I must say grown, not grown. He's just, he, he has changed in his, 
in his demeanor of his self-confidence in, in ways that I can absolutely see. And, it, you know, like, like he's always been amazing with our clients, but he's even that much more engaged with, with our, our clients and um, his, his transformation, not in his modification, but his transformation in his, his body and his mind has been in unbelievable. Thank you. I wish I had better words for that. I'm getting choked up. I don't want to get choked up. Yeah, that's my job. I'm the crier here, Tommy. <laughs> well, the reason I kind of want, uh, not not the reason I want to ask, but there's, if if it if it's not rude of me to assume, is there a lot of dark self things happening? Because you said like, if anybody should have known it was you, because you're around him. But is there a lot of that involved? within the modification extreme modification like is is there a correlation is it common is it common for sad people to come to you when they want to make these changes is that what you're trying to ask kind of i don't know if that's what i'm trying to ask is there does it the, does it take almost some uh does it take sometimes being in a dark place to decide to make modifications and, th- and i'm not just saying like extreme but for example, with Tommy, it took it for him. It was that decision was like, "Hey, I, I need to change my life when it comes to my overall health, and so that I can pursue even your hobbies." Like for Tommy, the the, the suspending like was a big motivator. It was a big motivator, but you had been in a dark place for a long t- time. Mm-hmm. And during that, during that, like, I don't know if I'm coming across right in my mind. I just want to kind of really know, like, is there a correlation that you feel like when, when there's people doing a lot of modifications or something that they're in a dark place or they're coming out of one and they're doing it for themselves to, to change, transform. I think extreme body modification is healing. Um, like Steve was saying earlier, you know, it's like rites of passage and stuff like that. Um, like I always wanted my arms to have big bumps in them, mm-hmm. like always wanted. Um, and like, I knew it was a matter of time before, like I was ready to, to saddle up and get in the chair and it was terrifying. And I, I probably wasn't in a great, like I typically struggle with a lot of like depression and things of that nature. Um, and I, I used to have like really, really bad coping mechanisms, like a ridiculous amount of food and, you know, bad sleeping schedules and just a lot of self negativity. Um, but like when I would get implant work or when I would get like, like a new modification, a new tattoo, a new, a new, uh, uh, scarification piece, when, when I would get those things, like I, I would feel happy and I would feel like good about myself. Cause like I, I just did a big thing that I've always wanted to do. Um, But yeah, like, and it's something like all my modifications, I'm extremely proud of. Um, And I like, I was going to say like, I enjoy getting them, but that, that's a bold face lie. Cause like it hurts, you know, (laughs) like, and then you have to heal it. And like, that's not always fun. But like once, like once you do all that stuff and like, once it's like ready, 
to like not hurt and not be healing and like the swelling has gone down like hell yeah like shit's dope <laughs> you know like I ran, I was at QT the other day and a plumber was like, what is in your arm? And I was like, oh my God, I don't know. And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so, and and like I sat there and I told him and, and he was like, that's, that's crazy. And like, he wanted like jewelry information and I was able to point him to a couple of different shops that that I would buy jewelry from and a couple of places online where I would get jewelry from. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't know where I was going with it, but like heavy modification for me is healing for my soul. Okay. So on the flip side, cause we talked about this last week and I am still really mad about it and Ooh. I shouldn't be me. Yeah. Oh, um, I interrupted one of your guys' sessions when? of how you, Oh yes. Because of the modifications that you've made, that there are certain places where you will go out in public and you're treated differently. Oh, yeah. Or like Target. You can't go to Target, which I'm a basic white girl. We white girls love Target and the idea that you can't go in there without someone making an assumption. Well, I can go into Target. Without making an assumption, though. I like, as long as, it, like, if I, like if Brit's with me, like, Brit's very, you know, <laughs> she, she, doesn't, she, she doesn't have any, like, crazy modifications, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, then I'm I'm looked at aggressively, uh, like I'm holding her hostage, <laughs> um, and, or like, uh, and, and I'll be fine. But if I go into like Target or Fries or somewhere like that by myself, nine times out of ten, I will be asked to leave because I'm spooky. Yeah, we're really upset about that. We're, we just so couldn't mad. believe it. Yeah. But then I had to kind of look back at myself and think of the time when I lived in Utah, and I was like, you know what, I. If I did not know you, there's a chance I would be afraid of you. And I feel really ashamed to admit that. And no. now I talk to you and every so often I have to remind myself like, oh, yeah, he does have a face tattoo. Like it, it's just normal it's now. Be, so you, I don't want, I don't want to assume, but like. You can assume it's okay. Well, no, that's, that's shitty. You know, I don't want to <laughs> do that. But, you know, growing up, were you exposed to people with a lot of tattoos or. Did you listen to music with people with a lot of tattoos or anything like that? So my upbringing was, my dad was a bounty hunter and a bail bondsman. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the people he would bring home were very interesting humans. I remember mm-hmm. one in particular, his name is Johnny. And bless Johnny's heart. He was a very kind man, but you c- were not supposed to eat out of any of the same bowls that he ate out of just because of, um, you know, he had a background where he was a drug addict and Mm -hmm. he had hepatitis. I can't Mm -hmm. remember which type. And so like I was exposed to it, but I was always told like, Hey, these are people just be kind of careful around them. So you were exposed to it in like a negative light, a little bit of like, they're people to be nice to from a distance. Yeah. And I don't think they intended that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, and and like granted, so like how old are you? 29, 29. Thank you. You're nice, awesome. good, good job, dude. No, That's awesome. No, no, that it's just, is. It's just every time. It's that is she, aw- like no good. Like I don't even know how fucking old I am. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know how old you like, are. You're like you're killing it. You're just like 29. I'm like, damn, homie. <laughs> <laughs> damn, I gotta get, I gotta get on your level, dude. No, that is like, good. It's not. I mean, it's good, but it's like you, you'd be surprised actually how often it comes up. And she's like, Louise, how old am I? I'm like, you're 29. Yeah. Or or when I'm by the time when I'm 30. Because we're the same age, but I'm older. So, like, when I'm 30, I just got to remember that she's she's one year 
uh, le- like yeah, less than me. Just... And then, you know, like after, I, after July, she'll be the same age as me. Yeah, I don't <laughs> even know what day it is half the time. But but so my exposure was different. It yeah. wasn't like hey. It was, I guess, fake nice is a really so, good way of putting it. So, like, you know, like, you're 29, and how old were your parents? Shoot. Okay. Um, well, how old are they right now? Give my t- dad is in his 60s. All right, so 30 years older. And right? my mom would kill me if I say how old she was on Then here. don't. We don't need to talk about <laughs> Mama but Renee. But my dad was, uh, my dad's in his 60s. Yeah, we don't, Mama <laughs> Renee's a mi- mystery. We don't, we don't need to know. So, but, so, like, if we look at society back then, right, and like who was getting tattooed like criminals sailors people Bikers and sailors yeah you know so like yeah. the the kind of shady bunch you know and like i'm sure there's great sail- sailors and i'm sure there's great uh great bikers but you know like typically when we look back then you know how society viewed it and who was doing it like it's shameful mm-hmm. you go to prison you get a tattoo come out now you have a tattoo people assume and x y and z um but now as we look at it as we start to move through generations like i'm oh god Brittany's I, coming oh, my up god, soon. Oh, oh my god uh. i know i know i almost <laughs> said it and i'm gonna say it like i'm becoming like the oh jesus christ i'm becoming like the older generation <laughs> you know what i mean I'm like, oh my god that's edit that jesus edit that that is horrible so what it comes down to, it's like, I have a face tattoo. Yeah. You know, and I I have a lot going on. And I try to go out of my way to be able to allow myself to be approachable. And I try to explain to, like, people like you, like, plain-skinned people or, you know, people. People like me. Yeah, no, yeah, I said it. I said it. <laughs> uh Plain skinned people, people with very little heavy modifications. I'm so plain. I have nothing. Yeah, it's cute, man. It's adorable. It's adorable. I, I feel like it. he would be the one marked between <laughs> no, the two of us. No, no, you're gonna fly on hooks. You said it. You said it in session, and yeah, it's mm-hmm. gonna happen. Okay. You don't have a choice. Temporary. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna heal. You'll be fine. You got it. Be great. We'll deadlift on hooks. It'll be, be amazing. You'll, you'll have those scars on your back. Which is, is proof that you went through that rites of passage. Let's go. You'll have Dude, that for the yeah. rest of your Dude, life. Dude, you're on okay, recording. Actually, Be careful actually, what you're saying on recording. I'll, 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 I'll admit, the only rites of passage that like that's wild, like, I'm down to walk on coal or glass. Really? Yeah, I think it's it's the getting into, and uh, it's more because I've seen it, like, um, what's his name? D- Dan Blaine? One of the magicians. David Blaine? Yeah. You want to be like David Blaine? No, I don't want to be like him. It's just I remember when I was young and I'd watch his like shows that would be like in like two in the mornings and he'd, he'd be able to put himself in such a, he's like, okay, I'll repair myself into a state of like peace. Like it's my, it's a battle between you and I, like you and your mind. And It's you like know, the ice bath thing. I guess so. Eh, I don't care for ice bath. But you know, you like that you can go and walk in like fire or glass. And I was like, dude, that's kind of cool. But I'm not saying like I think about that. It's just like right now when you said something like rites of passage, that's the first thing my mind went to. Yeah. I'll be honest. The so way you're going to get him to do suspension training is, is not going <laughs> to be planned at all. It is going yeah, to be actually, extremely last minute to yeah. where 
you're getting unhooked. You look at him and you say, hey, you want to? And he's like, okay, that's literally it. He would have to look at me and say, hey, Steve, I want to. That's actually very true. I'm very spontaneous. He's not going to plan it unless he shotguns a Red Bull and it's two seconds planned. Yeah, I'd be like, all right, let's do it. But I like that you said he has to look at you. I want to do a public service announcement really quick. (laughs) Okay. We're walking on the red hot coals. There's specific kind of wood that the way it burns on the coal, it leaves a shell that eliminates a lot of the heat. So So if you walk quickly across the coals, it doesn't burn you. But there's other coals that if you walk on, it will burn you. Oh, so it's just a bunch of bullshit. The whole glass, nobody walks on broken glass and doesn't get effed up by it. So what they do is they take and they'll they'll have that big five gallon bucket of broken glass and they roll it and roll it roll it roll it, and they're breaking all the sharp edges off the glass. They roll it and they roll it and they roll it and they roll it and then and then they've got this dull glass they're walking across the So I just want to be clear no matter what David Blaine says, <laughs> if you walk across freshly broken glass you are not. Don't worry. I, there's no bit of uh, mental preparation that's going to not never, cause your feet to get chopped up. I wasn't going to plan it. It was just like, that's what I thought. But I will you know say, my, show? Th- th- I have a video. I have a video of uh, us and the boys, like our f- group of friends. We did like a, a bachelor kind of camp out party, whatever, just us. And we took a game that we'd play. We'd take the, like, the coal from the fire. And then we would toss it and we'd see like how long you can catch it and have a video. You played hot potato. Hot, hot yeah. potato. And it was really cool. And it's like you can actually take it, take, take what, and it doesn't matter what kind of wood it is. You can take it, grab it and then shake it in your hand. And then it gets brighter and brighter because of it and it won't burn you. And then, and then you do get to a point though, like if it's, if it's too long and you got to like toss it and I have a video of it. So, so that's the, yeah, see, I'll, t- I'll take hooks. <laughs> I'll take <laughs> hooks, but I'm not, I'm not touching that. No, thank you. Uh, that's so funny. I appreciate you telling me that. I mean, th- obviously, there's always something within, like, a Hollywood, you know, show. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, like that. It was a Fox TV show. I think it lasted maybe one season of Magician's Greatest Secrets Revealed, where it's like, oh, actually, here's here's the fog, here's the smoke. But I'll say this. There's a chance. If he, if he d- can't overthink it, there's a chance he probably could get it. You've been exposed. Yeah. So uh, let's. Let's bring it back. So sorry about that. So my much bad. ADD. Yeah, yeah, my bad. Um, one one thing real quick that uh, you're right. So much ADHD and everything. Um, wanted to come back to, but you you've had so many creations and inventions, Stephen. Um, I'd like our audience to know know what you've created, what you've brought into the industry, especially uh, the the mo- the one that you're mostly known for, and it's it's a. Uh, it's in, you in know implants. In his implants. Implants is, is what I'm mostly known for. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, dumbass reached out to Tommy and I was like, "You do permanent jewelry? Oh my gosh, I have permanent jewelry." And I showed him this cute little bracelet. And he's like, "No, under your skin. <laughs> like, <laughs> yours yours is a little bit more invasive." Yeah, but no, no like what? So all, what? What are all the things you've created and how you uh, changed so the in, industry? In the late '90s, there well mid '90s, uh, I did the metal mohawk which is a guy who could screw metal spikes in a scalp. Wow. And it actually became the icon. Uh, when, when they would show generations with haircuts, you know, the 60s was long hair. The 70s was, nice. I, I think, like a military haircut. The 80s was big hair, big hair. 90s, metal mohawk. Mm-hmm. You know, so ironically, I created a, Icon for a generation. Yeah, that, that's that's you know transdermal implants is one of the ones. Um, 
air pointing. Uh, I didn't invent tongue splitting, but I brought it to a point to where it could be done with significantly less pain. Um, gosh, Tommy, help me out. I don't. Uh, the magnet, uh, the evolution of implants uh, from stainless to silicone. Um, the electro. Yeah, electrocartery branding. Electrocartery branding. Uh, coin slots. Coin slots. What's that? Uh, so oh. those, those gold rings. Okay. Those. Oh, that's what that's called. You'll, you'll see on some people where they have like a, like a half inch long little tiny slot with a whole bunch of rings stacked up in that little slot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, there's a whole bunch of like everything for me because of fortunately the, the internet gives you the ability to say, Hey, look, I created this and nobody can do anything before the internet. There's lots of stuff that I created that, uh, groups that had a, their own publishing of their own magazines could say, well, we designed this piercing and, and, but you you know, it's like I came out of a vacuum in 1994 and and suddenly was doing all this stuff. Well, a majority of what the modern piercing world uses uh, that still use tools for piercings because a lot of people do freehand piercing now, but a majority of, of those tools were all tools that I had designed and created within the first couple of weeks of me starting piercing because I had a medical manufacturing facility, yeah, you know, out my, my back door there and I'd do a piercing and needed a tool to make it better. And I just go make the tool. So with your work being as big as it is, have you seen anyone try to claim that your work is actually theirs? Like you see someone post a picture of your client be like, Oh, look at these implants that I did. Have you seen any copycats? Rarely. I mean, or does it get fished out pretty quickly with your community? Way back in the day, there would be people who would post things and say that they did them. And, and then it, you know, it, it was obvious that it wasn't theirs, but nowadays it's pretty easy to see an image and go, okay, let's see where did that first show? Oh, that showed up here. Yeah. Um, there, there's, there's somebody in France who I did work on in like 1996 or 1997 and they went back to France and then they claimed that they invented implants and so occasionally I will get like internet comments from people from France saying that you know I'm I'm a thief and and I stole so and so's ideas and and whatnot I'm like okay I got pictures I can show you that I did the work on them uh. long before they ever started doing what they were doing. But I like how calm you're about it because it just... You could y- be y- so petty and you're, you're just like, like I'll let my work know. speak. You just know. How is it evolving now? So what are some new new things coming out in, in, in extreme modification and being developed? So... Other than vacuuming the skin, because apparently <laughs> that sounds like a big deal. I, well, it, it, it's not as big. It, it was more cool for me and him just yeah. to s- see it happen than, than it was practical. I- instant gratification. Yeah. But, um, so I kind of took everything to a point that I felt pushing it any further would be, w- would be outside of my comfort zone. Um, 
so I mean, we, we do come up with new stuff occasionally, new implant designs, things like that. But uh, other directions that the industry is going in outside of the U.S. is like finger amputation. And in South America, they're like literally doing nose amputation. And um, again, that's not my not my thing and, and not something I would be comfortable in doing. Um, but that's I'm, I'm seeing some of the industry moving in that direction. And I mean, that's perfectly fine. If, if the people who are getting that work, if that makes them feel like they're expressing their soul to the world, you, you know, a, lo a lot of people who get work done, they, they have this vision of who they are on the inside. Mm -hmm. And when they get the work, they're expressing to the world around them how they feel or how their soul is on the inside. And that's part of the, the amazing blessing of what we do is we get to watch people blossom and um i mean if if somebody wants to remove their their nose and for them that is the next step in their evolution th more power to them i'm not going to be the the person who will offer that it sounds extreme when you say that and yet especially in scottsdale there's some really well-known plastic surgeons in scottsdale where it's maybe you're not removing your whole nose but you're removing half of your nose you're reshaping it you're you look in you know the korean culture of plastic surgery can start as early as i want to say like 16 mm -hmm. where they completely reshape their face there's boot jobs it's when people look at the type of modification you do, they're like, oh, that's so extreme. And yet plastic surgery is so normal, normalized. Lip so, fillers are normalized. So let's look at plastic surgery for a moment. Okay. Everything that they do in plastic surgery is to modify the body more towards what society considers normal or pleasing. I often get asked to take you know, a stretched earlobe and completely make it look normal like there was no no piercing ever done. I absolutely positively will not do that because modifying you to look normal is plastic surgery. If a plastic surgeon were to do what I do, modifying the body away from what society considers normal or pleasing, they would lose their license. So it's almost out of respect. That you're like, hey, I'm going to refer you over not, here. Not a respect thing. Not respect? Okay. Not, not, not a respect thing. I only modify people away from what society considers normal or okay. pleasing. It's what that individual considers normal or pleasing that is not in the realm of plastic surgery. So what do you, what advice would you give to someone who's considering making a sort of change that you would, whether it's, I want to get you know, something on the back of my hand, I'm thinking about getting my tongue split, that hasn't had any modification before. So very, very fortunately, like 98% to 99% of our clientele, not including magnets, because we get engineers, doctors, electricians, all kinds of people who get magnets. Mm -hmm. And it's non, it's non-visible, nobody knows you have it, so there's not an issue there. But like 98% of the people who get implants you know, are already modified. They are already tattooed or pierced to a point that they already know how society is going to treat them or how society is going to react to them with this modification. So, so typically you're not dealing with newbies. It's, hey, you already know what it's like to be an outsider. Let's help you step more into your 
we will get newbies who will come in and say, I want to get horns. And we say, what else do you have? And they'll say, well, I, I don't have any. I mean, I've got a couple piercings. And I'm like, not, not going to do it. I'm not going to thrust you into that, that light in society. I'm not going to be the person who puts you there. You you're, won't just do it for the sake of doing it. No, of course not. Well, I think, so I want to back up real quick. Because I think w- we actually, in our industry... We ho- we have almost like a r- the same values. So there's there's certain things that you won't do in the in extreme modification. We won't do anything extreme when it comes to dieting. So we help people embrace strength, learn to move their body, how it's mechanically built to move. But we don't we don't coach people to do an extreme unhealthy any pill, anything kind of weight loss. Someone comes to us and says, I want to lose weight right now. I'm like, I'm taking Ozempic. I, or I want to take Ozempic and I want to do this fat loss pills. And I want to do like, that's, we're not going to be the client for you. Not that we don't have anything against that. We, you know, if that's what you want to do and there's a reason why you want the process to be so fast, go, you go do that. We'll help you find a coach that, that does that, you know, but we don't do it. And you I think it, it, you guys, it, it, uh, go ahead. I was going to say it's very yeah, similar. You say like all the time, like you will not put someone under a bar until they are ready. Mm-hmm. It's the same concept. So like with me, you know, being over 300 pounds and I'm like, yeah, I want to deadlift. Like, let's, let's go. And you're like, no, uh, you're going to die. If you pick up that bar, let's start you off with like a five pound kettlebell and or like just body weight box squats like Mm -hmm. let's see how you do there and you gradually work up to that barbell and it's the same concept just in different area it's okay cool you have like your bicep tattooed acceptable okay cool you have something tattooed on your forearm now we're getting a little little sketchy you know people are like oh there's visible tattoos Mm -hmm. Now you have your knuckles tattooed, your face tattooed, and now all of a sudden you can't walk down the street without people crossing the other side or asking you to leave a department store. And society treats you in a completely different manner once you have these more intense visual modifications. And that's when we're like, you want horns? Cool, let's get you in. Because you've already experienced that that lady crossing the street, the manager asking you not to shop here anymore. Um, And like Steve says it, like he doesn't want to throw you into that deep end. And it's like, I don't know. I I think is there less regret at that point? Because you've already have a lot. So if you never had any modification, I want horns. And then you were like, Oh yeah, I'll absolutely hook you up with horns. It would, be, like, it would be it would be irresponsible. Well, I'd be like a horrible person. Why did I get horns? If I dropped horns in on you, it, it like what for like for me like I would be doing you a disservice. Like I take pride, like extreme pride, in helping people through their modifications. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I want to be able to take them by the hand, walk them through it, breathe with them, and you know whatever they need, be able to be there for them. 
right? And like, I want them to feel safe. I want them to feel comfortable and I want them to come back if they choose to do so. If you got horns, right? And you have no idea what it's like to walk around with, you know, visible tattoos. And now all of a sudden you have horns, like these strange bumps on your forehead. And what happens when your mom goes, don't talk to me. You're not welcome in this house. What happens when you go to Fry's to get food for your family? And the manager goes, you can't shop here looking like that. What happens when you bring your kid to school? And then the teachers look at you and go, what? Now they're treating your kid different because of how you look. They're judging you, right? What type of monster would I be if I were to drop horns in on you? I wouldn't be able to sleep with myself. You'd be a greedy monster. Yeah. I'll put that out here about six months ago. I reached out to Tommy because there was a type of earring that I was playing with the idea of because if you look it up online, it starts with a D or something. It's supposed to help with migraines. And I've toyed with it on and off for a while. Pseudoscience. And so I reached out to him and I asked him about it. Where easily you, Tommy, you could have been like, yeah, let's get you in tonight. And you said, no, that is a bunch of bull. And also, if you're going to get an earring, you need to make sure it's high quality. And you talked me out of something that you easily could have made a shoot ton of money with. I don't know if a shoot ton of yeah, money, wait, but, wait, not, but not well, much. Yeah, I mean, one white girl referring, and I keep calling myself a white girl. <laughs> but, you know, me, I could have easily referred a ton of people to you of just being like, hey, here's a headache thing. We can all go this way because one girl buys a Stanley, we'll all buy a Stanley. But you easily could have made money off of me in that. And instead, you steered me away and I gained so much more respect for you even when it came to piercing my daughter's ears you're like make sure it's a quality earring yeah like you really went out of your way to talk me out of a decision and I appreciate you so much for that I before like so like I punched out my nostrils without any sort of real knowing what was going to happen um our noses are shaped for a, a certain a certain way to keep pollen and dander out of our sinus cavity, uh, to keep water out of our sinus cavity. Um, And I put holes in my nostrils without realizing, and and they're substantial holes. It's not like a normal earring. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't realize how that was going to affect my day-to-day life. I can't sneeze. If I sneeze, I'll blow snot straight up my glasses. Um, <laughs> you know, I if if he gets stuck in a rainstorm, it's it's like you're drowning. Yeah, really. Yeah, wow. in in the shower, like no joke. Like if I'm just I turn and I breathe in at the wrong time, water, and I'm choking. It's it's ridiculous. I have holes in my conch, and I I talk to an ear speci- specialist, and they're like, yes you will lose a couple of decibels of hearing. And I was like, all right, okay, that's, I'm okay with that. Um, Cause if I removed my whole conch, which I originally wanted to do, they're like, you'll be deaf, like legally deaf within like three to four years. I was like, okay, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not okay with that. Um, but when they said the smaller holes, like a couple decibels, like everything will be fine. Um, I'm finding in my day to day life, it is much harder to hear uh, like a normal conversation. It's I have to have subtitles on the TV now. Um, and I'm going to be 40 on Saturday. And so it's like, hmm, 
you know, like, was this worth it? And for me, no, it's not something I would do again. Uh, I had a buddy who's very, very, very heavily modified ask me, hey, I want to do this. I'm like, look, homie, like, if you're cool with looking at hearing aids, you know, at the age of 40, like, go for it. If not, stay away from it. Because, like, I actually looked at hearing aids. Because, like, I like to be able to hear a normal conversation. Um, But, yeah. So, like, there's all these little things that we don't take into consideration uh, when we get modifications. And if I'm able to help someone not make a bad decision, and, like, I get it. I absolutely get it. We have to make our own bad decisions. We, (laughs) like, getting both of your hands implanted at the same time. Very, very bad decision. And Steve told me not to do it. And I said, no, I, I should do it for science. <laughs> for science. <laughs> but no. His, his point of view is that, you know, if he does it, he can then explain to our clients why it's so bad, if I say it's bad. And, and you know what? The client on Tuesday, he did say, I, I want my other hand done, but I'm going to listen to your advice. I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. So that worked. Taking one for the yeah. team. What a guy. Yeah, right? So uh, kind of going back to a little bit of the beginning, because you have lost certain like uh, traits of living, I guess you can mm-hmm. say like here. Is, are, you a, are those uh, modifications mutilation? No, because it, it, like, it hasn't like affected me to the point of where like it's debilitating okay. for me. Um, I've, so like if I have like a solid piece in my nostril, I can breathe or like I can take a shower. I can, you know, everything's fine, but like I don't want to order a special glass custom length piece. And I prefer silicone Mm -hmm. uh, in my nostrils because it's a lot more comfortable. Um, I'm sure if I had a solid plug in my ear that the sound would flow into my ear canal perfectly fine. Uh, I'm not willing to do that mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it's, it's the jewelry that's reflecting the sound in different ways mm-hmm. as opposed to directly back in into the ear canal yeah so like okay. i i prefer how these look um and i'm pretty sure i could get like a solid piece plug for my ear for the silicone like where it would be in my conch um I just don't know how it would feel like if it's going to be like too aggressive in my ear. And it's something that I've looked into and just, just, I was just curious. I wanted to know mm-hmm. that those, like at what point you recognize it as that, like yeah. that mutilation. So, yeah. Uh, and then I think I remember you told me this, did the idea come because warriors in the, in, in ancient times would have that so they could hear enemies coming from behind them. Steve actually knows a little bit about this. Um, so uh, when I went down to Palenque, which was uh, uh, just south of the Yucatan Peninsula, to a, a specific Mayan temple, one of the things that I had found out was that the Mayan warriors would wear one of three kinds of eyelets because they all stretch their lobes. One kind of eyelet was open from the back and would make it easier for them to hear sound all the way around. Another kind of eyelet, and, and the other one was solid, and then the other one was cupped. And one of them, if they were near a river, it would 
diminish the sound of the river and improve the sound of other things around them. And then the third one was like an open forest kind of like ideal and open forest or mm-hmm. maybe I don't remember the specifics. I remember them telling me and going, wow. But then I did a sweat lodge like, an, I don't know, five or six hours later. And that was, you know, I thought I was dead, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. What's a misconception that you wish a few, you know, the Plainskins knew more about your culture? Or are you just kind of like, I don't care what you think. If you want to be part of this, you... Well, something that you were starting to talk about earlier. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of like... ADHD, into, ADHD yeah. out of it. <laughs> um, so there are a percentage of our clients, a small percentage of our clients that I would say come to us in a depressed state. And getting the modification brings them out of that depressed state. We, we get emails occasionally from, from time to time where people say, you saved my life. In 1996, I had a gentleman who's, uh, he, he, he was autistic. He had a pet dog. It was a pit bull. It was his life. And he had to leave for something to do with like a grant to getting into Harvard or something like that. And while he was gone, the parents killed the dog because the dog growled at somebody. So he comes home, dog's gone and cremated. So he he asked me if I could put the ashes inside the implant and implant it over his chest so it was over his heart. And that was the very first one of those that I had done. And when... I met him and we initially spoke. He was very, couldn't do eye contact. You, you know, like I, I, could, I could explain what, what we're doing and what was going to happen and how it was going to happen. And he understood, but he, would, he was not engaging with me very much. And um, when I do work, I'm very, very tunnel visioned. It's like where... If I'm working on the back of your hand, that is all I am seeing. Tommy's job is to you know make sure the client's doing well and, and keeping an eye on the client and helping me. And uh, so um, th- this was uh, uh, like '97, so long long before I ever mm-hmm. met Tommy. Um, I'm I'm working on the guy, and it was a very large implant. And it was implant-grade stainless. This is before we ever moved on to things like Teflon or uh, uh, silicone. So it was a little difficult to get it in. And as I was getting it in, I, I said, you feel that pressure? And he says, uh-huh. I said, okay, that's the implant going in. And then the implant went in the, the way it was supposed to. And so now I'm just going to start closing up. And all of a sudden, my assistant, she starts... <laughs> <laughs> sniffing and I'm not I'm not looking up I'm 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 and I'm like are are you getting sick and she's like yeah yeah I I I don't know m- maybe I'm I'm like okay uh, well we'll talk about it afterwards and after I finished and he leaves she said I wasn't sick the minute you told him that the implant was going in just 
tears started streaming down his face. And a year later, this was in Philadelphia, and a year later I go back out to do another guest spot, and I meet him, and I meet his girlfriend, and he's fully looking at me, engaging, and said that that changed his life. And I don't remember what year, but he graduated. I forget the term. With honors? Top summa of his class? The, the top. Summa cum laude? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, literally, like, he's modified. He is a professor. He gives lectures. And he sent me a photo in where he was giving a lecture to 4,000 people in Japan wearing one of my T-shirts. That It, it has uh, modified... It says modified, and then it says for my pleasure, and there's a checkbox for her pleasure, and there's a checkbox or his pleasure, and there's, yeah, and so we would make them and just do the checks in different boxes, and and he was wearing a modified for my pleasure, Steve Hayworth shirt, during this you know, giant thing that that was happening in in Japan. That is so but cool. But he he said that it, it completely changed the course of his life, and we hear that more. I try not to like make a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you, you can ans- answer that without my humility. There, huh? there's. I would say probably quite a few times each month, somebody will come in, and either like a tongue split, or. Uh, chest implant, um, something on the back of the hand, uh, electrocardery, um, where they're closed off, they're very short with their answers. Um, like you, you can feel the weight in the room. Like there's, there's something just there with them. And like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't do the whole like woo, like magical thing, but like you can absolutely feel someone's like emotions. And when they walk downstairs, cause it's, that's where the studio part is and they get in the chair and they're, they're quiet. And like, I'll try to crack a little, like a little joke and like get them to get them to smile, do, do something, just kind of like lighten the mood a bit. Um, about halfway through, you know, like I, I try to give them like a, we're almost there. Like we're 60% done. And all of a sudden you can see like their eyes begin to open and they kind of like start to glimmer and they have, they become a little bit more talkative um, not when we're splitting the tongue. They're kind of like <laughs> incapacitated. To oh, not oh. able. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. Man, you I know. saw that. I saw when I saw the video, the spl- <laughs> tongue split, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't. It, it's wild, man. That was my first appointment assisting. A tongue split. It was, oh, that's a story and a half. Um, yeah, his first appointment was the most drastic it, that yeah. he's ever. It's probably a good way to go into it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was because yeah. everything else has been a breeze. Yeah. But at the end of the appointment, they're they're smiling, they're laughing, they're happy, and like you like the air changed, like something changed 
and me we me and Steve we you know spent an hour with him, forty five minutes with him, yeah, give or take. And what we do is hard, you know. There there's definitely like a hard aspect to it, but you know, relatively you know easy for the most part, nine times out of ten. Uh, and they just like everything changed for him and I don't know where I was going with it but to be able to to okay. witness that is it, it's something else and Steve is I've, I've been working with Steve now for I think like five and a half between like five and six years so somewhere in there give or take and people get excited to see Steve and like I do all the emails and like they're like oh my god is Steve going to be there like Steve's going to do the work buddy like you know like that's who that's what you're signing up for and they're like oh my god I can't wait to meet Steve and they get really really excited about it and it's just it's to be able to witness in the time that we get to spend with these people face to face and watch their lives change to be able to guide them through that journey yeah and to an honor. to see them feel whole to see them feel whole yeah like that that's something it, no one should go without that's why we do it i think about they say that physical therapy tied in with a little bit of personal trainer actually one of the most rewarding jobs in the industry because you see someone really change if it's physical therapy maybe they came out of like a really bad surgery and you're able to see them from a place like they were shattered to finally walking or moving or excitement and they say that there's a lot of just joy in physical therapy you know i'm not a physical therapist but a lot of my work and the way i do a lot of training is in, in that like the mechanics really helping someone come out of pain and there's a lot of reward and we'll say every trainer will say oh yeah personal training is just one of the most rewarding jobs and i truly truly believe it but I absolutely love how rewarding is what you guys do and the way you expressed it and even before we sat down and had this podcast even you know before we even said like hey we, you know let's have you on and i, I talked to tommy and i've been learning more about modification body modification i never saw or understood that there was that much impact in your work. And I, I'm, I, I, I feel like I'm a little humbled and I'm very happy to have you, to have you guys on and open, not just my eyes, but hopefully a lot of listeners. And like, as they see someone that does look different, has, you know, more tattoos in their body. I, I actually had a client in, in Utah. So before I met Tommy, Tommy's my second client that's ever had modification extreme uh, Tanner, and mm -hmm. I'll say his name just because he's he's an awesome guy, and he had your implants, the silicone implants in his arm, and when I first met him, he, he wanted to just gain muscle because he was really skinny and wanted to gain muscle, and I was like shocked at first. I was like, I lived in Utah, and I was like, what the heck is this? You know, but I like, got to know him and just see how awesome of a person he is. Then, you know, Tommy. I know Tanner. Yeah. <laughs> I know him. Such a small world. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I'll say he did tell me he ended up having them removed because he was so skinny and has he's grown muscle. Like he was he was very, very, very thin. And as he's grown muscle now, the implants were really small to him and uh, he had to have them removed. But um, yeah, you know, you, you had that, the same thing. But it's just so cool. Like I just I'm learning and I want people to learn, like never judge a book by its cover. Um, it really breaks my heart to know that you have gotten kicked out of a, of a place because you, if I put you next to my daughter, you are seriously like I would trust I would leave this house and trust you with my daughter because you have such a heart. And when we when I first introduced you to my daughter when she was barely born, you were like this. Oh my gosh! You went like, into the baby voice and I did not expect. It is amazing, and it's just oh gosh, I'm very humbled by by both of you guys. I today. sent her a happy birthday message the you other did? day. You know, yeah. like you say hi to Carter every time you see him. You're so kind. Kid, kids are important. Yeah, kids are very, very important. They're the future. Like they really are. You know, like, like I didn't have a great childhood, and I don't know. Like if I can say hi to kids, and you know, just like I'm a big coloring book to him. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> we, the first few times we saw you, he's like, Tommy has artwork on his body. Yeah, he just thought it was the coolest thing. And you guys are very. It's very similar to our industry. You're very empowering and mm-hmm. you're giving people back their control and this feeling of like truly being the best version of themselves that maybe they don't they don't see themselves. Yeah. Um, one of the things that that you had said a little little bit ago was how there, there's similarities between what we do and what you do. And, and I think there's actually a significant amount of si- similarity because both of our clients are, are coming to us on their own choice, mm-hmm. you, you know, where a physical therapist has a client that's there because of a situation that happened where our people are choosing to go through these changes to enhance their life and make their life better. And, and we get to see that. And, and that look of accomplishment on their faces. Yeah. It is the and coolest then, feeling. And then the other thing I want to say is Tommy talks about, you know, Target and, mm-hmm. you know, angry old ladies. Uh, <laughs> they do. They're t- tell them about a recent uh, outdoor music event that you went to for like a week. And oh, you my were God. the only tattooed face in the whole yeah. place. How what did they treat you? What festival did you go to without so tattoos? Right. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> there, was, there was definitely tattoos. Uh, so this festival, um, it's called Lightning in a Bottle, um, and Britt exposed me to it, and I was like, all right, cool, like, you know, like, big dance, like, electronic, happy music, like, sounds like a great time, uh, and I don't do outside very well, I, I, I like inside, and this is a week-long camping event, um, and I made it, and I did well, so <laughs> there is, I think there was about, like, 30,000 people there. And in the entire week that I was there, I saw one other person who was heavily modified. And we just kind of gave each other a head nod, and that was it. I have never in my entire in my entire life, right, have felt more accepted. Not a single person like gave me two looks, um, at least that I noticed. <laughs> um but I, you could walk up to somebody and they're like, hey, man, how you doing? Oh, can I ask you a question? And uh, it, Where's the water? You know, where's the water station? Like, you don't want to ask me about my arm? They're like, oh, what's in your arm? Oh, cool. 
uh, yeah, so where's the water? Like nobody, nobody wanted to ask me about my modifications. Nobody wanted to treat me different. Nobody wanted to weasel their way in to try to get an appointment tomorrow or anything like that. And I didn't have to, I didn't have to put on the happy face. I didn't have to put on the non-scary face because there, I, I, it's like I was, I was you guys, I was plain skin. Like there's nothing. And everybody welcomed me with open arms and I have never felt that like I'm welcomed uh, like in, in open arms, like in my buddy's tattoo shop and you, you know what I mean? Like in places where people know me like, Oh, Tommy, you know, and like, and, and that's cool. But in a public situation, it's sketchy sometimes if I'm by myself and here, it was one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever experienced. And like, it's on par with hook suspension for me. Like I, we got home and like we recovered for a couple of days and then I bought tickets for next year. Like I will never miss that festival. That festival is life changing. Just absolutely beautiful. My point of bringing that up is he doesn't always get the, the stink eye. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Uh, um, uh, another thing I, I want to just bring up a, yeah. as, as an interesting thing. So you've known Tommy for a couple of years now. Yeah, about two. Mm-hmm. When you look at Tommy, y- you just see Tommy. When, when I look at Tommy, I, I see Tommy. People who don't know Tommy, they see facial tattoos and they see scars and they see bumps and so and and the thing is is once anybody gets to know someone they see past the things that they would normally pass judgment on agree we were we were talking about that uh, not too long ago in one of our sessions where I'm like I honestly do forget that he has a face tattoo mm-hmm. um, I forget that he has the scar um, the, w- the work that he did and I think I, th- I think maybe a few few sessions ago it was the first time that I noticed you had a tattoo on your on the palm of your hands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I that just barely noticed that yeah, right uh, now. Yeah, I, and like I mean, I watch your hands. I tell you, like, oh yeah, we're doing this, you yeah. know, stupinated, pronated, whatever. Like, and I, uh, yeah, it was like a few sessions ago. I was gonna ask you, is that new? But then I also saw that this color was faded. Yeah. And I kind of, I was like, that's not new. He's had it for a long time. So no, it, it's true. Like I, I've, I've gone past it, and I really. I don't know. You could, we could be super honest here, but I feel like even when I first met you, although I saw everything, I tried not to talk to you different, uh, treat you, you did, different. You did a really good job. Your facial expressions, though, <laughs> said a completely different other story. Because like I and I gave, I gave you a, a heads up. I was like, "Look, homie, like I got a lot going on." And you're like, "All right, cool. Yeah, like I don't care." I was like, "All right, cool." Um, and then like, like you walk, you're like, "You're Tommy," and I'm like. Yes. And you're like, <laughs> you do have a lot. And I was like, yes. Actually, that is very true. I did yeah. say it. <laughs> and, and like your eyes were real, real big, you know, and like, and that's cool. And I get it. Like, it's like, it, there's a lot to take in. Um, but you weren't disrespectful. You weren't all like, if you were like, I wouldn't be sitting here. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. I'd be like, fuck this dude. He's a piece <laughs> of shit. But you weren't like, 
you know, we did bump heads. Like we still bump heads, but like it's, we bump heads in friendship now. Um, but yeah, no, like I felt that you treated me as you would treat anybody else. Like, you know, like you're like, no, like I'm gonna call you on some shit. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, and you know, it just, we formed this, you were very respectful. Um, and like, I think the only time within your body modification, one, definitely the, when you just freshly got, you <laughs> like I, we had been working together for maybe three months and you're like, yeah, I'm about to get like burnt or, or electric, electric artery. artery. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then I saw it and I was like, whoa, that was it. But I mean, when it comes to your modification, I think the only, there's been only one time that I've told, like, I'm like, well, this you're probably having this elbow pain because of like the because of the uh, implants, and you're like, no, there's like absolutely no way. Like, no, Steve made these in a certain way where like you, it doesn't affect the muscle; it's above the muscle, da da da. And I'm like, in the subcutaneous okay. layer, yes, yes, yeah. And I think that's about it. Like, honestly, there's never been anything about your body modification that's affected like any form of our interaction. Uh, lifting, yes. So like I can't use a kettlebell on my right arm, or I can't like put my hand arms flat and like do the thing where you're like right. running your floor hands. Slides. Yeah, I can't well, do the what floor What I mean slides. is like it may affect some of the movement, but it's never affected like our interaction or anything. Oh, no. Like there's the only that one time where I wanted to kind of like argue it. I think it was you had done something to your wrist during a bench press, and then you were feeling some pain in the run of the thumb, and I was like. Yeah, you're like, it's the implant. I I think it's the three. And then you're like, no, 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 it's not. And we kind of went back and forth on this little thing. Because it's not. And I was like, oh my gosh, if he just takes that thing off. (laughs) And you're like, I'm not taking that off. (laughs) You know, this is normal. This is their bicker. So, like, like, like I had to remove an implant. I remember. Right? Like, um, when I was bigger, Steve made implants for my hands uh, a 15 blade and an 11 blade uh, types of scalpels that we would use in modification. And I got much, much smaller and the implants are much, much bigger. Right. And so eventually it got to the point of where like it needed to be removed. Um, so when I removed it, or I'm sorry, when Steve removed the implant, I was like, I was sad for about a week. Like, like I lost the part of me. Like I still have the implant, you know what I mean? Like it's sitting on my on my nightstand and like it's like that thing's supposed to be in my hand you know like and like and i feel weird without it Um, nothing is worse than losing a piece of you and it's not your choice it's like if you lost an arm not not in the arm is as critical as an arm i mean i I feel (laughs) i feel it's uh, that critical If, if, if you lost the ability to grow hair on half your head yeah you know you would be sad if you lost your hair. Yeah, I pride my I pride myself on my hair a lot. So, I want to ask I want to ask one last thing. It's Tommy, uh, you have your suspension coming up November fourth. Yeah, you have you have some feelings about that. What are you What are you doing to prepare for this particular suspension? Uh, so, uh, last time I suspended uh, was I believe in April. I can't remember, but like I was just coming. I was just coming off a a bulk, uh, and I was, uh, I think about thirty. Like right now, like uh, you're like two fifty. Yeah, you, about two fifty. Yeah, and I suspend it, and I suspend it without planning it. Yeah, 
like a, a little aggressive, like a little, a little violently. Was maybe, it crazier maybe? than November when we saw you? Uh, yeah, but like I was also like. 20 pounds heavier and like my back is a war zone of like scarring and from suspensions and I had to get sutures because my skin ripped a little bit and Steve told me that you know this pot might next time that I suspend could possibly be my last depending on how my skin behaves um so going into this suspension it's I've accepted that it could be my very last suspension. Um, and like, it's bittersweet. Like I've suspended a lot and I suspend hard and I go aggressive. And if, if he went half as aggressive, he would be able to sus- keep suspending. That's just because Tommy is Tommy. He, he's, yeah. he's so extra. I, I think his goal is to break the rig, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's all like, watch, I'm going to get it. It's, I heard you uh, want to break something. Break the rig. Yeah, it's mirror the rig. Mirror the rig. I can only yeah. imagine what your neighbors think. I want to, I <laughs> would love to know what your neighbors think when they just see well, Tommy. Well, technically, flying. you are. Uh, we are. You I are. Know, we neighbor. can't see from there. Yeah. I can't well, see. We, we happily will you go can to walk your backyard. Over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, it's, I, I don't know. There, There's something that happens. Um, I suspended not active and I don't like it. Um, so if it is my last suspension, like I'm still going to help people fly. I'm still going to talk very highly of it. I'm still going to throw hooks, uh, and everyone that I get an opportunity to throw hooks because it is my personal belief that everyone should suspend at least once in their life. It is something happens, man. Something there's some sort of shift. I don't know what it is. Like you were saying, like you get emotional. Like when we have public suspension parties, and I'm piercing fifteen people throughout the day to put them on hooks. Like I spend most of the day inside for a reason, because uh, I sunburn really easily. No, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I I do, but. If I go outside, like, and I'm watching somebody come off the ground, like, I get choked up, and I start crying, and there's this feeling of just when someone breaks free from the earth by their own flesh, it's just this wave just hits me, and, like, it just grabs, like, my core and, like, shakes me, and it's like... I know everything that they're feeling right now. I know every thought that's going through their brain right now. I've been right exactly where they are right now. A hundred percent. I have been in that spot and I have. And to be able to play such a small part in someone's journey, to know that they're experiencing something that I've experienced and something that I cherish, it is one of my most important things in my life. As long as I get to play a part in someone's journey, that's all I care about. If I get to walk them up, if I get to 
uh, cheer them on, if I get to throw their hooks, if I get to pull their hooks and, you know, burp them and, you know, get the air bubbles out, if I get to run the rig, if I get to grab them a chair, get, get them a piece of candy, if I get to just fucking high five them at the very end of it and be like, what you did was incredible. That's all I care about. And it's the same aspect with modification. Like I'm, I want to be our client's cheerleader. If they don't have, you know, moral or emotional support with them, like I want to be able to help them through that emotional support and be their cheerleader through their appointment. And I don't know, man, like it just, it calls to me. Like that's what's important in my life. I've gone to holy sites all over the world. And I've been in cathedrals, basilicas. I, I've, I've been in temples. And I have experienced, and I'm a, I'm a man of science. If I can't see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, smell it. Yeah, I have a hard time believing that it, it exists. But I've experienced things witnessing suspension and felt things from the individuals being suspended. Just, just energies that, that I've never felt in any, any religious site anywhere. It, it's, it's, you guys were there. Mm-hmm. You saw it. You, you know, I mean, you, you like you said, you, you're om- you were almost to the point of tears. It was so weird. I can, I can pinpoint the moment. It was, um, it was when you and Brittany were up. Mm-hmm. When and I picked her up? When you picked her up. And I don't know what it was Ooh. about that moment. Because it went from you just jumping around, being crazy, to just a very calm, very, like, I almost felt like I shouldn't be there. And getting to witness this place of just pure serenity mm-hmm. was just unreal of, for something that looks like it's really painful and really scary, and yet both of you looked like you felt so safe and secure, and even just knowing how Brit's been part of your journey now, it was just such a beautiful thing to see. Brit's Brit has been my biggest cheerleader from day one, from day one, before we were even together, before we were even together. Uh, she was my friend and my biggest cheerleader. And to, like, did it hurt? When I picked her up, yes, of course it hurt. But to share that moment with her, the entire, like everybody disappeared. There was no, there there was no Steve. There was no you guys. There was nothing. It was just me and her and everything was gone. I don't, I don't remember the pain of it i don't remember how long we were up for uh i could tell you what song was playing i could tell you what she was wearing i could tell you the look that i saw in her eyes and it was quiet and i think that's why i suspend because I'm able to find a moment of quiet, like pure quietness. There's no future. There's no past. There's, there's nothing. It's just now. Every moment is, is it. 
that's all there is. And it's quiet. And I was able to tear down my walls and allow her in and share that moment of quiet with her. And it was an absolute beautiful thing. Thank you for letting us be part of that, by the way. You're welcome. Like, yeah. I appreciate that. And that you just accept we're going to come to this next one oh, yeah, yeah. where I, I'll be honest, knowing that you want to break a rig. Now I am a little bit afraid, but I'm ready I don't because I know you're in good hands. Seeing how like, you know, sanitary you guys were, at least I know the entire thing is going to be clean and you're going to, Steve's going to make sure you're good for the most part. I don't want to break the rig. Good. But if it does, if it I, does. Think he, I think he does, but see the I way it's designed too. is if a section breaks, I mean, there's three legs. Yeah. One out of, you know, you know, one, one out of three, there's still two legs. I mean, he's not going to come crashing to the ground. Like imagine how gangster that would be. You know what I mean? Like here I am. Just no, don't human, imagine re- it. Don't get human wrecking ball. Re- replace a bolt. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> a human wrecking ball just destroying a rig meant for to be able to hold up, what, three or four people at once? It's, it's set up for four people. Yeah. Well, then you yeah. can only play Miley Cyrus wrecking ball when that happens. Funny you he's say that. that. Uh, don't say that. He's done he's that. Done that. That's yeah. sick. And I missed. Yeah, when I got voted into Life Suspended, they stopped my music and they played the Ron Jeremy version. Of I didn't Wrecking do Ball. that. One of our other people yeah. did that. And here I am. I'm sw- swinging around in a circle and I'm like belting out these words, like singing with everything in my in my core. And I'm like, all I need is a sledgehammer. And I blink and there's Steve holding up a sledgehammer. And I take the sledgehammer and I'm like, oh, I'm going to lick it. And at, there's probably like a hundred people there. And they're so like, no, do not lick it. <laughs> so I licked it. Um, that's, yeah. That's Tommy for you guys. So if, will if, you if do you chandelier <laughs> then? What's Have you that? done chandelier by Sia? I don't know what that is. She's going to swing from the chandelier. Oh, that's fucking funny. We'll, we'll yeah, play, but we'll, you we'll know the context of the song, right? No, I don't know. The uh, she, she's a, a raging party alcoholic. Oh, I mean, I used to be a party alcoholic. <laughs> Just understand the f- song fully. Before oh yeah, you we'll, we'll listen to it. Yeah, it. yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> listen point. to it. I'll listen I'm, to it. No, it's so cool. I uh, I've learned a lot, and 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 the title. I, I like always referring back to the title because uh, our title of the podcast is Strength Beyond Fitness. Mm-hmm. Mm, we get so caught up that like fitness, at least within our industry, obviously, fitness should be the only thing. That's all you need to do. Da da da. And there's a lot of things that complement your life too. Uh, have health health and wellness have good mental clarity and all that and i think just everything you guys have shared it's just 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 shows like there's there you know loving yourself like getting excited about change um your your moment in the suspension what it means to you the energy that's there i mean like i totally remember like i don't even i think while you were hanging like i i admit when you were getting um when you were getting pierced i cringed Mm mm-hmm but once you were on the rig, like I forgot almost that there was a hook on you. Like, yeah, I I, I didn't cringe anymore in the sense like, oh my gosh, it's no like, that was only the moment while I saw you pierce, while I saw you up there. It was, it was I don't know if this is the word like majestic. Like, thank you. Yeah, it was. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, wow, this is wonderful. And I can't say obviously it's my cup of tea in the mm-hmm. sense of like, oh, I, like I want to do it. Like Renee said, I'm so spontaneous. I might just be like, like, but hey. Throw throw me in there because I don't uh, I, I if it's a if it's a cool experience something that I might ne- never have an opportunity to do again and I'll learn something new about myself I'm always down 
and it's 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 awesome. I didn't know about this before you, and now I do. And yeah, I'm so stoked to watch you again. I, and I, I'm a lot of people don't know this this, but we have a lot of work going on, and I'm doing I'm gonna be doing a lot of traveling. But like for that week, like for me, there's absolutely hopefully no traveling. Like it, it's so excited about it that I like no, I'm not gonna travel for that. Yeah, like, uh, like I'll, I'll always give you shit until you actually <laughs> suspend. And, like, I'll be like, I'll knock you out and put you on hooks. Like, I would never do that. Uh, on the upside, it's not like Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to. You, you don't have to fly. Yeah. Yeah. You oh, I thought you meant, like, it's not like Fight Club of you have to tell everyone that you didn't. No, like, no, you talk in, about in suspension. In Fight Club on like the first night, you have to fight. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't have yeah. to. You're, like, pressured into it. Okay, well, because I know the first rule is you don't talk about it. Right. Yeah. But, but like the second or the third <laughs> rule is, you, you know, you, uh, uh, you, do it. you have no. to fight. Yeah. If it's your first night, you have to fight. But yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're ever like, I want to do it, I'll be like, let's go. Right let's now. go. Like, because I want to be there for you. You right. know what I mean? Like, like what it comes down to, like down to brass tacks, right? You were there for me when I was fucking 310 pounds. You told me I was going to fucking die. And you're like, you need to do this. And I did this. And I'm still here. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy. And I'm free. Right. And it's like, and if you make that decision, you're like, dude, I'm ready. I want to fucking be there for you. Simple as that. Cause like you've witnessed me at my lowest and you've seen me at my highest. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm still fucking going, you yeah. know, like I'm still shooting for it. And it's like, I, whether I get to throw your hooks, whether I get to walk you up or whether I get to run the rig or just fucking be there and witness you fucking flying. Like that's it. That's all I care about. And when all that I day comes, like, <laughs> I'm there. You know what I mean? I'll bring the easy bar. You know? Let's go. Just row. No. All Dude, I ask is if you do it, cool can I burp bell. you? That's all That's all I want to do. I just want to do the, little, the back burps. I'll teach you. <laughs> Thank you. That's yeah. easy. Nice. Well, thanks, guys, so much for coming out. This um, conversation went by really us. fast. Yeah. I mean, there's so much more that I feel like we can talk about. And Thank you for yeah. being such an open book and so receptive to everything that i asked and everything we said i appreciate your guys time so much thank you yeah i absolutely i I had no idea what i was getting into and i'm happy i came well good good (laughs) thank you well that's another episode of the strength beyond podcast thanks for listening you guys stay golden cheers